Welcome to The House Podcast. We hope today's message resonates with you and inspires you as you grow in your understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. We're glad you're here. Yeah, it's a crazy season. We moved here five months before COVID hit, and we thought, oh yeah, like Kelowna feels like a good thing. Uh, My wife Bethany's from Ottawa, and I said, are we moving closer to your family or closer to the mountains? And she said mountains. So uh, we, we ended up here. Uh, and very quickly, I actually had an opportunity to uh, hang out with Oliver and get to know him and his heart for the church and discover uh, that we were very like-minded in what we believed the church could be called to. And then uh, when Pastor Chad was about to take a sabbatical, uh, Oliver said, hey, can you help, help fill some opportunities in our teaching? Uh, and so I, I took that invitation uh, because he said, oh, it's on the, the great invitation. And I thought, that is, that is so good because uh, Jesus invites us into this sacred space. Uh, if you were here when I talked last time, I was talking about how Jesus actually invites us into the kingdom. Not, we don't have to wait for it. It's not, you don't arrive in the kingdom when you get to heaven. There is an opportunity for kingdom living right now. And uh, even with that, uh, I'm actually going to say we have an opportunity to be invited into the kingdom in the way that we practice Sabbath. Uh, So I'm just wondering, for those of you out there, how many of you would already say that you have a Sabbath rhythm? Okay, we we got a couple out there. And a couple of you were like, no, Sabbath is Old Testament. I divorced myself from the Old Testament. That might have come up in your head. Uh, Well, I want to actually say that there's a a good case to say that Jesus was practicing Sabbath. uh, And he was actually taking the steps to include it in a new covenant way of living before he broke the bread at the communion table. Before he said, this is my body and my blood in a new covenant. He had already started to say, there's a new way. There's a new opportunity to be able to consider it. There's two places, actually, in the New Testament where we see Jesus specifically address Sabbath um, in Luke 6 and and Mark 2. But first, where does Sabbath come from? Well, uh, some might say that Sabbath begins in this conversation of the Ten Commandments. Right? The first three commandments are love the Lord your God, and you go through three about your relationship with God. The next seven actually have to do with your relationship with creation and with others. And it starts from a place of Exodus 20, verse 9 remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And this is actually the longest commandment in the whole thing. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. This is all still in the in the commandment, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in the six days, in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That is all of the fourth commandment. It's repeated again after the people of Israel come out of Exodus, after they've been slaves working seven days a week. Moses reminds the people, saying, observe, observe the Sabbath day. 
by keeping it holy as the Lord God has commanded you. And it repeats it over and over again, actually pointing it back to what the relationship was to slavery. Turning to Luke chapter 6, this is an opportunity where Jesus is recounting what it actually means for someone to experience the Sabbath. He's walking through the fields, very simply, on the Sabbath day, as I will later encourage you. Uh, Sabbath, go for a walk. It'd be a great great thing to do. But the Pharisees are kind of lingering, following in behind them, and they see disciples grabbing heads of wheat along the way. And because they were so specific on that action being harvest, they turn to Jesus and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you letting them do this? This is against the law. How dare you? And Jesus answers them. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. This is what I love. As Jesus invites us in, he is the one over all, in all, the beginning and the end. But Mark 2 actually goes one step further. Mark 2 points out that not only is the son of man Lord of the Sabbath, But it says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We are made to rest. Our our modern world takes us into a place of recreation and leisure, but often we take holidays that leave us more tired (laughs) than when we first started the adventure. We have this opportunity though to step into this kingdom invitation. What does it mean when Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath? Well, uh, you'll know that I love drawing into the whole picture of God if you were with us last time as I tried to connect everything with the Beatitudes. I wanna go right back to the very beginning. Genesis 1, 27. Yes, this is part of the great invitation because it points to who God has designed us to be. I'm going to read from Genesis 1:27 to chapter 2 verse 3. It's not that long, don't worry. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, "Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it." Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that was first with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, 
On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What does it mean that God gives this huge list of things for humanity to do and then says, stop, rest? It's amazing that we actually think we're going to take a list, get it done. We have our to-do lists. We have the things we want to aspire to, the things we set our minds to. But what if we stopped first? This is really intentional. What God is inviting us into in Genesis, what the writer is saying, start from a place of rest. This is countercultural. We work, 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 stop. Worse yet, we work, 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 then stop. But what God is inviting us into is his kingdom right here, day seven, come and rest. It means that we just be with God. Because we were created in the image of God to first just be. One theologian says to fail to see the value of simply being with God and doing nothing is to miss the heart of Christianity. When we build our identities in work, 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 and we never simply sit and be and rest in his promises we miss out on something that is near and dear to God's heart. Because we can read in Genesis 1, he gave the list. But first, sit in his presence. And we are called to have this posture towards the rest of the world. To not have to prove our worth. Or not have to possess but simply sit and rest in the way that we are deeply loved by God for who we are, not for what we do. And you might already have an understanding of this. I've just repeated something you know because you've heard the cliche that we are human beings, not human doings. Yes, I get that. But I want to actually call you into this place to consider reversing the table of work then rest, and actually to stop and rest so that you can work. And I want to start from a place of sharing a little bit of my own story. Back in 2018, I was in the second church uh, that I'd ever, uh, third church that I'd ever been called to, second church as a married couple and with a young family, and I was miserable. Working for God meant that I actually spent less time with him. And we came to the point where my wife simply pulled me aside and said, something has to change. So we began to try to figure out what, what it was going to be. Was it going to be an escapist? I'm going to go and take a really good holiday or take a mental health leave or all of the options were out there. We had kids that were six, four, and two, and we were exhausted. At that point, we'd already had the lady in the church nursery go, I will be praying for you. And that, that is always hard. She actually pulled us aside and said, 
you know what? I had two kids just like yours and you've got a road ahead, but they're going to be great. (laughs) And so we began to think and consider what was going to be ahead of us. I cannot remember the exact reason why, but Sabbath came in front of us. Maybe a podcast, maybe it was a book. You know, there, there is this new surge of, hey, these spiritual practices that evangelicals are trying to rediscover. And yes, that's probably what spiritual formation means. We're just going to like fill you with spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices. But that's where God met me first in my journey. The first few weeks of practicing Sabbath, because being a pastor, I had to stop on Friday uh, and then finish on Saturday so that we could get ready for service on Sunday. Uh, They were hard. Actually having to stop and do nothing, because that's what we did, because we didn't know any better. We're like, I'm going to stop right here. Everything is going to be done. We're going to close the computer, shut off technology. We're going to just sequester ourselves off. It wasn't a great way to start. It was pretty horrible, but we tried it, and my wife made this beautiful challah bread, uh, that braided Jewish bread that has that nice golden crisp, and she was sitting there weaving it together, and we were doing all the work. We had the most un-Jewish Sabbath ever. There was so much pork and cured meat on the table, (laughs) but at least we knew that we wanted to start from a place of feasting and celebrating. We knew that this would be what the marker was. And through the rest of the year, we tried to figure it out. We actually really offended some people. We had close friends. She was having a birthday party. It was on Sabbath. And it was the wrong choice for us to miss the birthday party. But it was a hard season. I knew it was mostly church people there. And I did not. Most people just don't know what to do when they meet a pastor. They just talk church stuff. And we couldn't just be. So we skipped it, and that caused a relational rift. We learned the hard way. But as we continued to develop this, God kindled something for us. We entered into a season of discernment and prayer, and I had been a worship pastor, and I was kicking the tires on all these different things, trying to figure out what was right for me. And I actually wanted to be able to invest in the church, bringing these type of disciplines in a new way to what life with Jesus might be like. We continued to change. We found different ways of doing things. We began to discover what worked for our family, what didn't. Could kids go to a birthday party for their friends on a Saturday? It's pretty popular for kids to have birthday parties on Saturdays. So was that allowable? We even spent the last year running a kid to a competitive dance class in the middle of our Sabbath on noon on Saturday. And I was miserable, but then I found an opportunity to delight in it. It meant a different kind of way sitting with my daughter as we went there. And why did we let things change? Well, because we knew that God was continually doing something new in us. He was opening us up to what the Spirit was calling us to do. And now, like every good person coming out of, well, I don't say, I shouldn't say every good person. As some good people coming out of COVID, we've replaced challah with sourdough. And I make my sourdough. Uh, It's a beautiful way. We still have way too much cured pork on the table. Uh, We have, our eldest daughter loves to go and buy these really expensive cheeses that we only get to go once every six months (laughs) to afford but we celebrate. 
We stop, we celebrate, we delight in what God is doing. I sit and look at my kids on Wednesday and they'll go, Dad, when is Sabbath? It is amazing to watch kids delight in it. It's also the only day of the week I can get them to clean their room (laughs) because it's time for Sabbath prep. But we continue to hope that something like this is going to plant the seed for days to come. Even with little kids in our house, we can create a space to worship and delight in what God has for us. And so we sit and we be with God and we be with others and we figured out how to incorporate other relationships in. We've actually figured out how to bring people to our table and to say, welcome to our Sabbath feast. We sit, we light candles, we say that we remember and observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. We sing a little Sabbath song, a blessing over each person around the table. Shabbat Shalom, Josh. Shabbat Shalom, Oliver. All the way around the table, and then we end up with a trash can ending of Shabbat Shalom, everyone. It's uh, awful and awesome all at the same time. But it brings joy. It sparks in us something fresh. And because of that, we're actually able to embrace something that I want to put in front of you today. Because from a place of being with God, from a place of stopping with God, we discover what we can bring to the world. This is our great invitation. For us personally, it's how we bring the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and I always list them off and I always forget one, so I'm stopping there. But it's what we can bring. This is what the whole intention of the Sabbath was. When the Pharisees were busy pointing about how Jesus was doing the Sabbath wrong, he was saying, no, no, no. This whole day was made for you. Made for you to stop. Made for you to delight. Made to set you apart in such a way that you can watch God come alive in your life, that the Spirit might do something new. When the people of Israel came back out of Exodus, Isaiah 58 points them towards, come, come and practice the Sabbath. Stop doing what you please on my holy day, because the Sabbath is a delight. The Sabbath is holy. This Sabbath, pointing back, is more than just a place for you to do what you want, to interrupt your regularly scheduled program and deny yourself so that you can be with God and experience something new so that you can bring it into the world. Even consider how a Sabbath might impact how you work. Uh, David Kyle, uh, Kyle David Bennett says this when we think about Sabbath. When it functions as a time of reflection where we be so that we can bring, it can help us improve our work and our work environment. 
Just having a day off brings us back to engaging our craft with renewed energy and mission. Reflecting on our work and our work environment for a day can actually help us see where God is at work in our lives and where we can be most responsive. Sabbath keeping is a practice that remedies and renews our regular selfish resting and moves us to a way where we can actually imagine again what God might do. That's what it did for our family. It's given me a renewed sense of what will it look like to be living in God's kingdom now? Where have we seen him in the past? What is God doing now in the present? And what do we hope for for the future? In what ways is God going to stir something for us as we live on mission and we seek to give the great invitation to others in our neighborhood? That's the second thing. Sabbath keeping prepares us to be created in the image of God and to bring the kingdom of God into others' lives. That's the second half of the commandment. You rest so that your slaves can rest, your animals can rest, foreigners can rest, everyone around you gets to rest. Now, this can be troublesome at times for those of you who maybe grew up in an evangelical setting and Sunday was a day of rest and you weren't allowed to, to go out and run errands, you weren't allowed to do things that felt like work, act, acted like work. This can be a challenge because, you know, you were making pizza on your Sabbath and you didn't have the right ingredients. And so you had pizza without cheese or something like that, and it scarred you for life, and that's a a childhood memory that you look back on. That's not the intention. But just imagine what it looks like to rest and have that rest impact others. Imagine what it looks like to rest if you are working six days a week, but somehow, some way, just do the math, you rest for 52 days a year And that's before you start your holidays. Imagine that witness that you are inviting people into. Because this is, again, we we point back to the way the people of Israel stepped in to, to their setting. Nehemiah says, when the neighboring peoples bring their merchandise and grain to sell on a Sabbath, we will not buy from them for on the Sabbath or, or any on or buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. But it doesn't mean that they're not valuable. It doesn't mean that you're not ascribing value to them. It means that they actually don't have to worry about selling. They don't have to worry about working. They can sit in the city walls and rest. Jesus is saying, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Pharisees, you can take the day off. Take the day off from your critical behavior. Take the day off from trying to, trying to be the law keepers. Just rest. They miss this opportunity to just simply sit in God's presence because they wouldn't rest. Resting should mean that we, at, we have an opportunity to rest with our neighbor and to worship with our neighbor. We get called into this act of love that has us not simply set apart, but also being with people, being for them, having margin and time and space to sit and be present to their story 
and the story that God is telling in their lives. Lastly, and I'll invite the band to come up. Lastly, we are created in the image of God to be and to bring faith, hope, and love to a waiting world. A world that never rests with a 24-hour news cycle. A world that prioritizes leisure over actually simply stopping and being present. A world that happily embraces escapist behaviors in the way that they plan their holidays instead of actually coming and delighting. Each Sabbath gives us an opportunity to show delight and joy in the Lord in a way that you can't when you go, 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 do, do, do. AJ Svoboda actually posted this on Instagram last night, the end of my Sabbath, so I pick up my phone and I hop on Instagram in the beginning, obviously, of his. Six days a week, we wrestle with the world, ringing profit from earth. On Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in our soul. The world has our hands, but our souls belong to someone else. Imagine what an invitation might be for you today if you embrace, I am created in the image of God to simply be, and because of that I stop and I rest before I get to the list. Because it helps me bring something unique to the world, something only I can do, something only my family can do, that highlights the faith, hope, and love that our world so desperately needs. What will this look like for you? It can be an initial step. If you can't afford 24 hours, try an afternoon. It'll take some prep. I start my sourdough process on Thursday mornings (laughs) to be ready for Friday at supper. It takes some preparation. You can't just flop into it. Take the lesson from me. I learned it the hard way. But what will God do as you prepare to stop and rest and delight in God? This is my prayer for you as you step into your week, that maybe even this afternoon, you could let the list go away and delight in what God has for you. May I pray over you this morning? Holy God, you have set apart your people. You have given us this opportunity to rest. From Old Testament to New Testament, you created our imagination of what it would look like to receive rest from you before we get to our to-do lists, before we get to our callings, before we get even to the things that we're passionate about but we feel like we need to do. God, bring to mind how we can step into this. 
help us to receive rest from you so that we can go out and we can declare your goodness, so we can declare your hope, so that we can be a blessing to many, inviting them into your kingdom. Holy Spirit, inspire us and empower us now. In Jesus' name, amen.